You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Red and Blue CFL podcast. I guess we're going to call this one the both our teams just beat the defending champs in back-to-back weeks edition. My name's Oz Davis. So I'll be your co-host for the show. And as always, my co-host is Joe Pritchard. Joe, how are you doing? I could be better, could be worse. Uh, nice that the Bombers uh, took care of business last week. Not so nice that Matt Nichols won't be taking care of business for a little while. But we'll get to that <laughs> later, I am sure. Yeah, well, I think we'll get to that over and over and over again. Um, can I – are you a superstitious sort, Joe? Because I'm about to bring possibly bring down the wrath of the football gods upon my team. Do you – can I do that? Should, should I do it at my own risk? Yeah, I would say do it at your own risk, but really uh, everything that I've seen in my football life leads me to believe there is no such thing as football gods. Right, exactly. I don't believe so either. In any case, I just want to say as an Alouettes fan, my team's going to make the playoffs. We're going to make the playoffs. I'm so excited. Insert I'm so excited. Jim Mora clip here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I have playoffs? I am being overconfident here, obviously. We are only at the halfway point of the CFL season. Uh, so we figured, Joe and I figured we would take a bit of stock as we, as we hit this halfway point. At least one thing is becoming pointedly clear to me. However, and I'm going to do it this way, Joe. I'm going to ask you in a series of questions uh, how the league is going so far. But let's start with the dark cloud before we get to the silver lining. Which of these teams is the worst at this point, And which do you figure should be the worst going forward? We have the BC Lions who are on a 1-8 run. Toronto is on seven run and Ottawa after scoring a lot of points in the first two games and then taking a bomb in six run. What do you expect from these three, Joe? I've got BC not going anywhere fast. Uh, <laughs> they do show a penchant of scoring points every once in a while, but they can't keep Mike Grayley upright and eventually he's going to go down and then they'll lose any and all ability to score points and then they're just wow, done. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Toronto yeah. shows a little has shown some signs of life in the past few weeks. Uh, one is the very very obvious thing that they beat the Bombers, but then uh, the pa- then they gave Edmonton a bit of a game, uh, which is two two pretty good teams as far as the standings show right now. Uh, so maybe there's a little bit of hope in Toronto for probably not a playoff run, but a better showing in the second respectability and then ottawa is just uh it's on its way straight to the crapper uh they've there is an upside to ottawa there is an upside to ottawa we will talk about ottawa later on when we do the because i got some stats for you towards uh when we review that game but the defense in ottawa is not bad no 
and it it's hasn't been, and the special teams isn't bad either. But right. they don't have. But a they can't do enough. They can't do enough. Yeah, yeah. When you're on a team, when the kicker is the most valuable player, <laughs> you know, um, in the crapper, yeah, that's I would say half in the crapper, half out. Uh, okay, right. Well, well, let's go to the flip side then. Okay, so here we have Winnipeg is 5-0-0 at home. Edmonton is 4-0-0 at home. And Hamilton is 5-0-0 at home. Now, no surprise, these are the top three teams in the league by record, or as we prefer to do it in the CFL standings board, by points. Uh, which of these three teams do you like most at home going forward? So I've been pretty hard on Edmonton so far this year because I've mm-hmm. st- I've been it's my belief that they're a good team but not a great team, but there's no great teams out there anymore. Both Winnipeg and Hamilton have had their wings clipped by quarterback injuries. Uh, Hamilton for the season, Winnipeg a little bit more so. We'll see about that type of thing with Matt Nichols mm-hmm. being out four to six is the expectation. Uh, so we've seen what Dane Evans can do, which is enough to keep a team in a game. Right. He's not going to go and win a game quite yet in his CFL career by himself. Uh, we've yet to see what Chris Streveler 2.0 is going to look like. We got a decent look at him early last year when nobody had any film on him. This year, mm-hmm, teams mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. not only those games, not only the games he had to start at the beginning of last year because of Nichols being hurt, but also everything that Paul Opelis has done with him since then, uh, which is a lot of short yardage packages, a lot of run packages. So we're going to see, uh, and if we're going to be talking about silver linings here, Winnipeg now gets a full month of Chris Streveler, unless something happens to him, of saying, hey, look, we're facing some good teams in important games. Let's see what you got so that they can make their decision this offseason as to who is the quarterback going forward. Is it do they keep Nichols around for a few additional years at a pretty steep price point, I'm sure? Or do they go with Streveler and take Mm -hmm. their chances on him? They're going to have a bit of an idea of what they're going to have now instead of having to take a guess on Strebler. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard a podcast last week. I forget which one it was that was talking about um, that was fronting the possibility of what are the Stampeders going to do about paying this big pay- paycheck to Bo Levy Mitchell and even what might the Bombers do uh, as well. Was that was that the Rouge, White and Blue podcast, Joe? My, we may have talked about that last week with uh, adults. Uh, that's definitely a possibility. We did talk about uh, who would be the player to pick for uh, a, a a alleged expansion team for next year. So that's definitely probably something that we got around mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. 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 Right. Very interesting uh, topic of discussion. However, I mean, you talk about some important games. Here's, here's the Winnipeg Blue Barber scheduled over the next five weeks at Edmonton, at Saskatchewan, at uh, versus Saskatchewan. OK, so at home, there's back to back, then the bye week and then at Montreal. So uh, and then at home versus Hamilton. Oh, my God. So if that's six weeks, those are your six weeks. Yep. Wow. Uh, okay. Remember, Quite a gauntlet. Remember the theory I have about 
about uh, backup quarterbacks. You may need them for four to six weeks in a season. If you need them right. anything more, you're in trouble. But if that backup <laughs> can get you to 500 and that kind of a stretch, you're in pretty decent shape. Right. As with Calgary right now. Um, right. Okay. Let's see. How about this one? All right. Where it seems as though we're assuming Toronto and Ottawa to be completely out of contention here. Now, right now, and I, I fully expect you to go the other way on this one as well. Right now, Calgary would cross over. Now, clearly, as a Winnipeg fan, you guys get to the Great Cup. Obviously, you don't want to see Calgary coming from across the quote-unquote east to come get you. Um, do you, Who do you figure will get that crossover? Is it going to be Saskatchewan, or do you figure that Winnipeg might take enough hints in this six-game stretch and they could sink all the way to four? No, I don't yeah. think Winnipeg sinks all the way to four. Uh, if you okay. if you give them two and three in that stretch you mentioned to get Nichols okay. back at the end of that, I think they would still have enough gas to get to keep above that. Now, I don't know if they win the West if they go two and three in the next six, but uh, nobody's really ta- stepping up and taking control right. either, so that's entirely possible. That's the that's what's going to make this race fun. Is it's so hard to tell? Uh, Saskatchewan, we were leaving for dead earlier this year, weren't we? And oh, they've wow. come, they've hit four in a row, and I, <laughs> who knows what's next? Didn't didn't both of us have them missing the playoffs? I believe so. <laughs> would you like to adjust that? <laughs> I would. All right, let's see. Okay, so so you've got Saskatchewan crossing over. Mm? Okay. I don't know. I really don't. Uh, and hmm. you could okay. tell me right now, any of these four teams is the West winner and the West crossover team. And I would go, I could see that. Uh, unless, unless, we, unless we throw BC in the mix, because then I don't see it at all. Oh, come on. Come on. No, no. no. We're talking about contenders, all right? And it's only the halfway point, but we're talking about contenders, all right? Yeah. I would be pretty surprised if Saskatchewan won this thing. I'm still not a believer. Uh, yeah, I, they might put it all together and be a real green machine by the end of the season and into the playoffs, but I don't well, know. They, if, they, if they take advantage and win back-to-back games uh, against the Bombers over Labor Day and Banjo Bowl, they also get them at the end of that stretch, don't they, after Hamilton? Yes. So if Nichols' yes. injury is even a little bit longer than that, well, and wow. it turns out Chris Trevler isn't the guy. Mm-hmm. They're in pretty decent shape to make a mm-hmm. pretty substantial run just against their rivals. So, not saying that that's what's going to happen, but it's something mm-hmm. that could happen, and I would okay. believe it if it did. <laughs> well, you'd have little choice but to believe it if it did happen, Joe. Right. I mean, you don't I want to be, deny. I wouldn't be sitting here going, <laughs> "How did that happen, though?" Right. <laughs> right. Um, well, look. Calgary is not in bad shape going forward, and I, for one, have been thinking this, that, yeah, Bo Levy is going to come back after the bye, especially if they can win the few games right off the bat after he got injured. And sure enough, that's what happened. They end up going, what, four and three during this stretch? Okay. Pretty good. Pretty much what you expect. Now you get a bye. I think Bo comes back for Edmonton, Edmonton. 
he comes back for the back-to-back. And uh, then it's Hamilton at home and then at Toronto and then an eye. Okay, so you're talking about your bombers going two and three. In order to catch them in terms of points or whatnot, Calgary would have to go four and one. Well, that could very well be four and oh if Bo comes back ornery. Right. Absolutely. I could see that happening, or I could see Edmonton establishing their dominance if Bo comes back rusty. There's so many winning the back to back. So many what ifs out there right now that it's so hard to even try to project what's going to happen over the next month. Oh, come on. Yeah, but that's the fun of it, right? You got to man up. Why do you play pick 'em every week? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't even know anymore. Right. We, we can't pick them two or three days ahead. So what's the harm in picking it two, three months ahead? Seriously. Right. Uh, OK, let's see. I had one. Oh, yes. OK. Now, as we know, there's been a lot of points scored on special teams this year. And I really wish that somebody would start accounting for this in all football standings. But the CFL could certainly use it now. The top four teams by a pretty wide margin in points allowed thus far this season are the Winnipeg Bombers, Edmonton Eskimos have allowed the least points, Saskatchewan Riders, and Hamilton Tiger Cats. Again, not surprising, the only four teams, well, four of the five teams above 500. Which of these defenses do you like going forward, Joe? I still – and it's so hard to just – uh, isolate the defenses because the offense having ball control is a huge mm-hmm. help. Just mm-hmm. ask Edmonton. Mm-hmm. They've been making right. the big plays, but they are susceptible to giving them up too. But their offense keeps the ball and, and keeps driving down the field. Now they settle yeah. for field goals a lot, but they right. control the ball and control the tempo of the game. Uh, so when you put that together, I could see Hamilton's defense falling off a bit. I could see Winnipeg's defense falling off a bit. I could definitely see Saskatchewan's defense falling off a bit. I think Edmonton, at the end of this year, we're going to look at them and go, how did they lead the league in points allowed? And then we'll go, oh, right, Trevor Harris had the ball for 35 minutes a game. Well, yeah, of course, the other stat the other stat is, is and I thought for sure this was a typo on CFL.ca. They're playing this game, and, and you know, the offense – it was uh, – the week before last. So the week I did not do the podcast. They're playing. The offensive line looks tight. They look really good. So I go to CFL.ca and I look at uh, sacks. Sacks allowed. And it's like, you know, everybody else is like 12, 15, 18, whatnot. And then next to Edmonton it says one. One. Going into last week, I, I, I don't know. I think I think they actually gave up one or two last week. Yeah, I think they're at three now. But that's right. still ridiculous. <laughs> right. I know. That's insane. This helps a lot. Now, on the other hand, though, Joe, I would have a bone of contention with you because, look, which are the teams they lost to? Okay, they went on a two and three run at one point this season in between weeks three and eight. They lost to Winnipeg, Montreal and Calgary, all ball hawk teams. Okay, those are some of the best secondaries in the CFL right now. Okay, I think that after a while. Your, your, your good secondaries are going to snatch one of these little dink and dunk passes. I mean, even last week, I was going to save this for later, but even last week, his longest pass by yardage was 33 yards. By, by air, let's say, before yards after catch. 33 yards, that's it. 
That's it. This is this is him airing. This is Harris airing it out. You know, it's just like and and I think that some defenses, some quick defenses, can wreak havoc mm-hmm. with this offense. But that's also you not know? what happened with Winnipeg. Uh, mm-hmm. Winnipeg won because Edmonton settled for seven field goals, I believe. Yes, 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 yes. yes. So yes. <laughs> that's yes. Yeah. And Winnipeg made a couple of just big, huge plays. Otherwise, Edmonton outplayed Winnipeg for like 59 minutes of that game. <laughs> but there's a couple of big ones that switched the right. whole strategy of the game around early. Right, right. See, I think big play defense can be just as important as big play offense. And Winnipeg in that game played both. And that's what beats Edmonton. That's what beats Edmonton. Now, now the next time Montreal plays them, if Montreal can, you know, again, produce some big plays from the offense, they'll win that game. Montreal will win that game. Uh, Calgary. If Calgary defense is on and not back-to-back, they'll win both those games. It'll be, you'll take her and they'll win both of those games, whether Bo Levy can throw touchdown passes or not. But in any case, okay, so again, like, which of these these Ds do you like? I love the Saskatchewan pass rush, for sure. They've been monsters this year. Yeah, but that's the one thing that Edmonton's going to keep out of your arsenal. They're going to keep the pass rush at bay. So I don't like that matchup for them. I, I think Edmonton might be in the position right now if they could find a way to curb their stupid mistakes that they inflict on themselves to be in the driver's seat here pretty quickly because they do have such an efficient ball control offense. Uh, Even Mm -hmm. if they settle for field goals way more than they should, right now who else is going to step up and go ahead and beat them? I don't see it quite yet. Yeah, but when you talk about making mistakes, you're not just talking about penalties, you're talking about not converting in the red zone. A little bit of that that's, too, that's but more deal. so penalties because the penalties yeah, have been penalties have been a big reason why they're not converting in the red zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Penalties are huge. Penalties are huge for that team. Okay, right. Let's go on to talk a little. Uh, let me call up my scores here. Uh, oh wait, wrong program. Okay, so oh, of course we started with Winnipeg Blue Bombers 32, BC Lions 16. Now we've already talked a little bit. There's, uh, there's got to be a little feeling here in Blue Bomber fandom land that you won the battle but lost the war. Uh, there's some of that. There's some people celebrating that Strebler gets a shot. Uh, there's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, it feels like Nichols takes a lot more criticism than he deserves. Yeah. Uh, but this is about the worst time of year this could have happened, except for losing your quarterback in the final as you're running out the clock. Not that I'm bitter or anything about that happening a while back. <laughs> Uh, but if I had to pick a six-game stretch during the regular season where I don't want Matt Nichols uh, out of the lineup, this would probably be it. Mhm. 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 On the other hand, you got an excuse for losing all those games. I don't uh, want to right. lose any games. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now I hear you. I don't mean to make light of the situation. So, all right. Um, Winnipeg, obviously, uh, the future. The immediate future is a bit more important for them than the immediate past. So we're going to talk more Winnipeg uh, after this. However, let's go on to Edmonton Eskimos 41, Toronto Argonauts 26. Now, Joe, you were talking before about how Toronto uh, sort of gave them a game. Uh, when? 
Ah, when they, did this happen? They actually scored points. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they scored points in every quarter. Unfortunately, Edmonton really looked like a machine uh, uh, for the first half, uh, getting out to the 24-12 lead. Wow, and it took some late points at that for Toronto to even make it look that close. Um, and now, again, you were talking about this before. This was probably the second best game by Trevor Harris in the Edmonton Eskimos offense. But remember that first game, which was just monstrous. Um, so Trevor Harris was 28 of 41 for 426. Uh, for 420, dude, 420. 420 yards and three touchdowns versus zero picks. Now, I could nitpick here. I could talk about how I think all but about 30 yards went to three receivers and against a better defense. I don't think this sort of minimalist game plan would have worked, but this might be a chicken and egg kind of thing where it's just like, you know, they're keeping it simple because the game is well in hand at 30 minutes. Uh, But let me ask you this uh, again with the scope of half season in our view, Joe. How surprised would you be or how crazy, let's say, how crazy on a scale of zero to ten would you have called me if in the preseason I had told you that the Eskimos would be six and three right now? I could have seen it as a possibility, but I would have leaned toward their propensity to self-destruct to have caused a little bit more damage than it has so far. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so you would have had him at at least four and five at this point. Right. Because... I, I also had Toronto being a little bit better than, what, one and seven. <laughs> so I thought Toronto might be one of those games where they would go and just lay an egg. But obviously uh-huh. that didn't happen. No, absolutely the reverse. Right. Okay, so let's go on. Uh, oh, boy, here we go. Hamilton, Tiger Cats, 21, Ottawa, Red Black, 7. Now, I just, I just want to say that you know, I realize I spend a lot of time here on the Roost White and Blue you know, accentuating the negative about a lot of these teams, like especially this year. I've talked you know, a lot about how bad the BC Lions and the Argos have been, and I just want to spread that love a little bit to the Ottawa Red Blacks. Yeah, this game. Joe, these guys are bad. Yeah, this game. These guys are bad. Uh, Sucked. It it should have been. It's hard to say it should have been, but Hamilton may have been able to win this by 50 if they could keep killing themselves in the red zone. Uh, Ottawa just wasn't a competition, uh, except for Hamilton couldn't put it away. <laughs> Hamilton kept having mm-hmm. these nice nice drives, setting themselves up nicely, and then just keeping Ottawa in the game by making a mistake. It was just unreal. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. was just ugly. If I had to introduce somebody to CFL football and say this is what a good game looks like and this is what a bad wow. game looks like, I'd have oh, just okay. said sit down on Saturday, watch the bad yeah. game first, and then buckle up. Yeah, our buckle up. Uh, right. So, yeah, I just wanted to get this in there. Uh, wow, the Red Blacks, <laughs> something else here. So in in the first two games, I mean, it seems like a long, long time ago. It seems like they they were going to great cups not that long ago. 32 points at Calgary, 44 points at home against the Riders in the first two games. But again, since then, they've been one in six. Now, that includes four losses without scoring an offensive touchdown. That includes uh, a win, the win at Montreal, 30-27 in overtime, in which they only scored one touchdown. 
offensive touchdown, I should say. Only scored one offensive touchdown. I mean, <laughs> what? Okay. All right. Noel Thorpe, I mean, like I said before, I kind of Okay, I think Noel Thorpe's defense is finally coming together. But, wow, talk about too little too late. Uh, Something like Hamilton's defense has been keeping them in games. Okay, but Ottawa's Ottawa's defense cannot clamp down enough to keep this offense in games right now. No, Um, no, Again, we see the effects of – yeah, we're still seeing the effects of that pillaging in the offseason. So, yeah, and, this... and, and then they went this this week and changed their play caller in their committee at offensive coordinator. I mean, t- tell me mm-hmm, what a committee mm-hmm. at offensive coordinator is doing at this point in the season anyway. But they picked Joe <laughs> Pow Pow, who's uh, uh, been in the CFL for a very long time. Uh, mm-hmm. Player, coach, head coach even. Just mm-hmm. not a lot of success at any level, though. He was probably the mm-hmm. best as a quarterback and had a losing record at that, although you can't really take quarterback wins uh, completely by themselves because there's other facets of the game. But at every level he's coached, there hasn't been much success either. And he also carries with him a little bit of the lingering history of Ottawa teams that have failed in the past as he was the <laughs> Renegades head coach. Mm-hmm. What kind of message are you sending to your fan base by putting him in charge of calling the plays? Now, mind you, on this staff, he might be the most qualified person to do that, but that sends a terrible message to your fan base, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, they're living on the cheap, Joe, aren't they? I mean, they, you know, this team has had an unprecedented level of success you know, since their inception. I think, I think they're kind of. I don't know if you believe in karma any more than you believe in the football gods, but let's say they're financially paying for it right now. I mean, we saw this happen with the Riders. We saw how they they uh, mortgaged their future by like stocking up on big name American players and just like destroying the Canadian part of that roster to win the Great Cup. They won the Great Cup, but geez, they were terrible the next two three years. I mean. You know, perhaps this is what's happening in Ottawa because right now you look at this roster and you see very few recognizable names. And those that you do are those like John Jennings who are rapidly becoming one of the – what's the opposite of a success story? A, a, a warning a warning tale yeah. <laughs> in the CFL? I mean, I mean this team uh, – in this roster, it looks like a reset of the expansion roster now. Uh, but, you know, this is – you can't – I don't know. Do you blame the organization? What happens if Ottawa has two or three really bad years? What happens if they lose both games or three games to, you know, the Halifax fighting lobsters when they come into the league? I mean, was it worth it? Was all the success in the early days worth it? Probably because you've built the fan base up to Mm -hmm. the point where you can uh, suffer some setbacks and still have a fan base. But at the same time this quick of a crash doesn't really kind of would accelerate that process because uh, mm-hmm. Ottawa fans have had it very very good since 2015 yeah. they're not yeah. used to they're really not used to what they're seeing here and it just seems like they it just seems like they did it all in one off season with some very questionable front office moves between losing all the free agents they lost and between losing Jamie Elizondo the way they did their offensive coordinator who let's be fair Ottawa fans weren't fond of in the first place but would probably beg to have back now uh, a lot of fans are looking at 
the front office and going, you did this on purpose. Why did you do it this way? Hmm. There is some anger out there. Really? Yes. Wow. Wow. But it's a small league. Couldn't they turn it around really? Yeah. And couldn't they bounce back? Easily. And that's the message that seems to be lost in all the doom and gloom right now. I don't mm-hmm. want to sit here and go, everything's going to be okay. Next year, you're going to go 12 and 6. But mm-hmm. all it's going to take, you're going to have a full early offseason to go find a new offensive coordinator that's going to have a plan. You're also going to have a full offseason with some possible palatable quarterback options out there because either Strevler or Nichols is going to leave Winnipeg. I don't see them both being there next year. Uh and who else is really chasing a quarterback right now? Can you think of any team that's going, oh, my God, we're in desperate straits for a quarterback? Unless somebody else gets broken this season and no. it's going to be gone for a long time. Who's going to have the money? Montreal. To... I don't know about that. If we lose if we lose Vernon Davis, we're desperate. Yeah, if you lose, if you, if you lose Adams. But Adams is the guy right now, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Doesn't oh, yeah. every team right now have yeah. yep. a guy except for Ottawa? Well, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan seems to have found their guy. Yeah. There could still be some musical chairs going on. But (laughs) it won't be anything like this offseason. There's only going to be a few suitors out there looking for quarterbacks. And there's going to be at least one or two decent options out there. If Pajardo isn't signed to an extension, he's definitely an upgrade. Whichever of Nichols and Streveler get doesn't get re-signed is going to be the number one option uh mm-hmm. one may end up in saskatchewan actually Fajardo may end up in ottawa but it's really too early to tell and worst case scenario toronto's toronto's probably not going to have james franklin back so he's going somewhere too uh a change of scenery is going to help him out a lot i'm sure so there's a and there's always the market too where you go find a guy uh from <laughs> down south and say here this is your team not usually, <laughs> not usually a successful one for the first season of a of a quarterback yes. CFL career, but at least at that point you can look at a guy and go, "This guy could be our future." You're not saying that with Dominic Davis; he's almost thirty if if he isn't past thirty, and Jonathan mm-hmm. Jennings' best by date expired in 2016. So there's really <laughs> not even this guy's our future. He's going to struggle, but he's our future. There's not even that right now. If you give them a full plan of offense coordinator with an f- actual plan and you give them something to hope on, I think an Ottawa fan is going to feel a whole lot better even if they end up 6-12 and 12 next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just remember in Saskatchewan, they really bottomed out after they had a great makeup, but geez, you hire Chris Jones and there's optimism. You make the playoffs a bunch of times and this year they're a contender. I mean, you just told me you wouldn't be surprised this year. But in any case... On this, let's talk some more Vernon Adams. Let's talk some more. No lead is safe kind of football. It was back this week for Montreal Alouettes 40, Calgary Stampeders 34. I gotta say, I have to impersonate a responsible parent at a school function tonight, so I'm not drinking while I do this podcast. However, I sure should be because wow, Vernon Adams is a roller coaster ride. <laughs> He's at that point in his career, man, where it's like, no, don't, oh, okay, you can do that. <laughs> uh, several times a game. Welcome to the Brett Favre experience, except, yeah, except stretch that out for 15 years. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, well, it's, it's more like the John Jennings experience in BC there for a little while. Let's yeah. just hope this one has a happier ending and fewer turnovers. But, man, you've got to love this final two minutes. I mean, bam, 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 bam. Next four drives my Alouette score on. Got to love it. And I'll tell you what, the uh, performance of the week this week, have you seen them? Did you see the performance of the I week? didn't get a glance at them, but I'm sure that Vernon okay. Adams is number one. Right. Okay. And another one from this game was in the top three. Go ahead. Uh, Reggie uh, Bagleton. Uh, you're right. Yes. You're right. Of course. And Trevor Harris, of course, for his 420 yards and three touchdowns. But you know what? For about three minutes, Eugene Lewis was football god. Uh, scoring the touchdown. And I'll tell you what. There's a lot of talk this year about special teams and about how great it is to get these return touchdowns and whatnot. But onside kick. Come on, Joe. The onside kick recovery is badass. That was spectacular. Yeah, what a great play. When that is executed correctly, it is a thing of beauty. Sure enough, the Alouettes did it. I was like, you know, I was apparently like fans were leaving the field and they got the ball back. Late in the fourth quarter, and I was almost one of them because, like last week, you know, the game Star Trek. But I stuck with it, and I was rewarded, so I'm very happy about this. I think Eugene Lewis should have been one of the performers of the week. Uh, Reggie Bagleton did have a swell game for Calgary. Uh, Calgary played well, and like I said at the top of the show, the Calgary is now 0-2 against our favorite team. <laughs> I predicted the game exactly correctly, saying we'd hit within the six-and-a-half-point spread, saying Winnipeg would win if they scored four touchdowns. Then they didn't quite score four touchdowns, but hey, yeah, there you go. I got that one. <laughs> I picked them. <laughs> right. So, all right, Montreal going forward. Very optimistic. Four and four could have a winning record after this week's games. We'll talk about this week's games right after this break. Podcast. I'm Oz Davis. With me is Joe Pritchard. As always, let's these games. Joe Pritchard's Winnipeg Blue Bombers are playing at Edmonton. Six and a half point underdogs, probably due to the fact that Strevler is starting and Edmonton is beginning, I would guess, to become a tough play away. Joe, uh, what do you think for your Bombers this week? I don't know if I could have picked a worse opponent and a worse place for Strevler's first start in this situation. I don't like it at all. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Because Edmonton's going to keep the ball. They're going to drive the okay. field. Strevler's not going to have a lot of opportunities to ha- possess the ball. Uh, he's going to have to make the most of them. He will have Andrew Harris's help. He was nicked up a tiny bit in practice, but I can't imagine that's anything. <laughs> Nobody seems to be too concerned in Bomberland, so I'm not going to be either. Uh, it's going to have to be a lot of running. Uh, between Harris and Streveler and a lot uh, and throw in the Nick Dembski fly sweeps or even the runs out of the backfield they're going to have to play a very similar uh, 
kind of offensive game as Edmonton does. A lot of ball control and a lot of move picking different targets. Uh, and they're going to have to intermix one or two long ones to keep the Edmonton defense honest. If they can do all of that, I feel okay. I just don't know if I trust that to happen the first time out for Strebler this time around. Okay, now I remember last time that the Bombers held Edmonton at 21 point, no touchdowns, no offensive touch. Harris threw the ball 54 times. Again, seeing out of the end zone, no interceptions. This game still blows my mind. Okay, threw the ball 54 times. He had Kenny Stafford for that game. He doesn't have him right now. Okay, that was 11 of his attempts. So I don't know. In, this is a game where your defense could keep you in it. They're going to have to. Well, that's exactly they're it. They're going, they're, I, I feel a little bit confident. They're going to have to keep yeah. them in, uh, but their game plan worked about as flawlessly as it was going to last time around. I can't expect mm-hmm. a repeat mm-hmm. performance of that. Wow. Because Edmonton's okay. right. well, bit... now going to have tape of exactly what Richie Hall did, and, and it worked just well enough last time. Now you're taking away some of Winnipeg's offensive potential in my mind. And you're giving Edmonton mm. the idea of what Richie Hall is going to have to do to try to contain Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And you're playing in Commonwealth. I don't like that combo. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'll take uh, I'll take Edmonton as well. But I do think I, I, I do think Winnipeg is going to cover this touchdown. I think I think it'll be close enough. I, th- I think uh, Winnipeg is going to keep in the yeah, game. I don't think it's going to no, Winnipeg a, is not a big pass rush. It's not going to be a blow up by any stretch of the imagination. But I no. think there's one or two plays that is going to be the big difference between a 10 point Edmonton win and a game that's coming down to the wire. And I think it's going to lean well, toward, toward the 10 point Edmonton win. All you're gonna need is all you're gonna need is two interceptions. That's all you're gonna need. If you had had, that's what you would you would have won. You would have won. Uh, right. Okay. Let's talk about this one. I guess there's only one question about this one. <laughs> Ottawa at Saskatchewan. Ottawa ten point underdog. Saskatchewan covers that, right? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Let's go on to the next one. We can do it in the same fashion if you like. Hamilton is our three and a half point favorites at BC in a night game. What do you think? You're still taking Hamilton? I'm going with Hamilton, but I'm doing it with slightly more trepidation than I am about picking Saskatchewan because Hamilton doesn't historically do well in Vancouver. They just don't, uh, especially right. at the late yeah. hour, because you're talking like a, right. gosh, what time is that? A 10 o'clock start Eastern. That's never been good for the Ticats. They don't have Mazzoli anymore. They struggle there even when they do have all their talent together. But I just mm-hmm. don't see mm-hmm. Mike Riley being able to do a whole lot against this <laughs> defense. And even if he is able to accomplish something, is he going to be on the field in the fourth quarter? I mean, he's done it for 10 yeah. weeks now. But at some point, something's got to give. Yeah, I mean, geez, he made... The, Ham- uh, the Winnipeg pass rush look good, and they don't have a pass rush um, a- against a very, very angry Hamilton defense. I mean, again, like this team could score 10 points and they might still win. This defense is playing angry. They're playing tight. Uh, they're playing good. They're not letting up a lot of points. Um, yeah, the, 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 the late night thing does bug me. 
if I were going to bet this game, I might bet this game. <laughs> I, I would, would I would take the under. Pull. Well, I would take the under. I'll take the under in this game for sure. Uh, because I don't think – I think that's going to be the secret to this game. Is there's not going to be a lot of points scored at all. Um, you know, If anything, the West Coast effect is going to – you know, have Hamilton's offense scoring even fewer points, and BC has it has rarely scored more than twenty in a game this season. So, I think uh, I think I'll take uh, I'll take Hamilton, but I won't be jovial about it. I'll take Hamilton minus the three and a half. Okay, so here we go. How about this one? Actually, I wanted to say this too. Hamilton is actually in a unique position in games that are row because they're at BC and then at Toronto. So they better not get uh, too complacent there. Uh, Montreal are six-point favorites at Toronto. I'm a bit concerned about this game, but not too much. What do you think, Joe? Now, it's a road game for both teams, obviously, being out in Moncton. So you don't have a Toronto home field advantage uh, such as there would be. Yeah, technically it's at Toronto. Right. Uh, So both teams are going to have the travel blues and such things like that. Uh, I don't see any reason except for complacency that Montreal doesn't win this game. Great, great. All right, we're going to be above 500. Above 500. I'm so happy. This is great. Second half of the season, and we're above 500. This hasn't happened in so long. Please tune in next week oh. for Oz Davis cries throughout the entire episode. Yeah, exactly. Well, next next week I'll have a beer, <laughs> at least. <laughs> Maybe a in any case. <laughs> All right. Well, okay then. In my case, I'm going to close out the week saying cheers. <laughs> uh, you can find my stuff if you'd like to. I'm on Twitter at OzDavis42. Uh, that's Oz with an S. Um, Joe, where can folks find you? That would be USFL Tecmo on Twitter, and the show can be found at RWB Podcast. Right, and – we're all over Facebook and whatnot, Twitter. Well, whatever. not really. In Facebook, any case, I don't touch it. not really Facebook. <laughs> no, I'm lying. I'm lying. I got. I, I I use it too much myself. In any case, right. I'm Oz Davis. I'm signing out for my co-host Joe Pritchard. This has been the Rouge, White, and Blue. Go Al's. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.